Welcome to Last Weekly, where we talk, laugh, and sometimes bitch about the highs and lows of the past week. This week, we have a lot of news to cover, including every time a Taco Bell rings, an angel gets its wings and saves a life. Should Netflix's newest show be called Love, Death, and Gay Robots? Why is New Zealand so fast and gun safety advocates in the U.S. so furious? Is it game over for PlayStation and Xbox? Plus, entertainment news and movie and trailer reviews during Trailer Talk. And much more. I'm Kevin Williams, and I'll be recapping the week with two incredible co-hosts. Anthony Tone Show Nunez. Everybody. And Sherry Nova. Hello, everybody. All right, let's get this party started, y'all. All right, Sherry, what was going on on Monday? Well, I'm going to be reading today, Kevin, so let me tell you what happened on Monday. A few weeks ago, we were shocked to hear that a man survived for five days straight, stranded in the snow in Oregon, eating nothing but Taco Bell hot sauce packets, resulting in him appreciating the gift of life and the gift of free Taco Bell for a year. Many of you laughed at us here at Last Weekly for saying Taco Bell's hot sauce saves lives. But this week, the another soul. On Monday in Florida, a man was sitting down at a Taco Bell in Winter Haven when he decided to get up from his seat to get some more life-saving hot sauce. (laughs) That's crazy. When seconds later, an elderly man crashed through the front of the Taco Bell with his SUV, hitting the table where the hot sauce-retrieving customer had been sitting just moments before. The driver was a 77-year-old man who thought the vehicle was in reverse when it was really the accelerator he was hitting. Although the building was significantly damaged, police say that no one was hurt. Do you guys think this is just a weird coincidence, or is there a secret in this sauce? Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Obviously, there's definitely a secret in the sauce. Um, that is so cool that the guy just happened to need more of that delicious sauce and like he was not injured. That is awesome. You know what? I must get me some of this sauce. Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's an elixir of life and we all need to keep it in our homes and in case of emergencies in our cars. Have it it at all times. Keep it in your pockets. (laughs) It is amazing. But you know what? We've been accused of uh, basically only talking about the the healing good side of food. So in fairness, it's time to talk about the dark side. Oh, no. All right. In Texas, a woman is seeking damages up to a million dollars following a trip to the Garden of Evil. I'm sorry, Olive Garden. (laughs) 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 That left... Okay, that left her burned. Uh, uh, that requ- uh, that left her bur- uh, with burns that required medical treatment, according to the lawsuit filed uh, this month. Danny Howard was eating at an Omen Garden. I'm sorry, an Olive Garden. Oh my God! <laughs> in um uh, ter- uh in Tarrant uh, County, Texas, in August of 2017. When she ate a piece of stuffed mushroom, the lawsuit claims her mouth began burning. She began to choke and was unable to breathe. 
She managed uh, to dislodge the piece of mushroom and went home. According to the lawsuit, she later was uh, she later went to the hospital to see a doctor. On the way to the emergency room, Howard claims her throat began to close. Uh, she dialed nine one one and believed she was about to suff- uh, suffocate and that death was imminent. God. She was eventually taken from the hospital to a burn unit for treatment, according to the lawsuit. Howard claims the restaurant was negligent for not warning her that the mushrooms were extremely hot. So, if only she had gone to Taco Bell, she'd be fine today. Because if the food is never hot at Taco Bell, so <laughs> you'll never burn yourself. You can, you can tell them, you know what? Put that nacho grande platter on my crotch. I'll be fine. It will. It will not hurt you. Wow. So, what do you guys think about the dangerous side of food? Um, uh, as you spoke about, uh, she should have been at Taco Bell. So, yeah. Yeah. The mistake. I think the mistake that anybody would can ever make in their life is eating at a restaurant that isn't Taco Bell. <laughs> that is what. That's where the danger lies. You you run the risk yourself, people. Yeah, so basically, I, I think that should be the Olive Gardens when uh, their attorney should basically say, well, she knew that it was clearly labeled that this was not a Taco Bell, a safe haven for all eaters. <laughs> so she knew she was taking her life into her own hands when she showed up. Omen uh, Garden of Evil. That's my new name. That is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. Also, Kevin, tell me, is, is this accurate? Do we now have an updated recommendation for bug out bags slash emergency kits? You must put the taco sauce inside there. Is this accurate? That's another, that's another thing. The moment she burned herself, if she had, had put the life-saving <laughs> Taco Bell sauce in her mouth, oh it would have instantly healed all the burns and she would have been fine. Oh my goodness but, gracious. But what, the part that bugs me is the fact that they, they didn't tell her that the stuffed mushrooms were hot. Apparently, does she lack feeling in her hands or any extremities? Like when she was reaching towards the, the platter of, uh, or the plate of stuffed mushrooms, she had no, she couldn't see the steam. I mean, maybe she's visually impaired to be fair so she couldn't see the steam but could she feel as she put her hands near the plate that it was heat emanating from said stuffed mushrooms we may uh, never know we're living in a world especially in the, in the states where uh, certain things that a, a normal person and not, let me not say normal so certain things that that, that you would assume people w- would um would take um for granted, like food that's being prepared is hot, or drink is hot, or coffee's hot. We have to label everything. We're we're in a society where everything has to be labeled. Um, now with the whole thing that happened with McDonald's with the lawsuit, now all whenever you get coffee, it always says hot on the top. Um, doors open this way. Like we're just living in a world with a bunch of signage, just for the for the few um, cases that something horrible happens. Well, you know what, Tone, to be fair, maybe this uh, woman, uh, what's her name, Danny, that she is a regular Taco Bell customer, and she got used to the fact that food is never hot there. And so she was shocked when she encountered hot food for the first time in her life. <laughs> so it's possible. You know, you never know. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to Tuesday. All righty. So on Tuesday, Netflix was accused of changing the order of its, the way it lists episodes for its new animated anthology series, Love, Death, and Robots, based on each viewer's sexual orientation. 
The issue came to light when Out in Tech co-founder, LGBTQ plus tech advocate Lucas Thoms suggested on Twitter that Love, Death, and Robot changes the episode order based on whether Netflix thinks you're gay or straight. Thoms shared side-by-side screen grabs of playlists that were open with the first episode, Sunny's Edge, in which the main character, a lesbian hero, braves an underground world of beastie fights. As he put it, one that features the most realistic and explicit heterosex. There are reports that the episode order for Queer Eye's new season on Netflix is similarly shuffled. Netflix explained on Twitter, we've never had a show like Love, Death, and Robots before. So we're trying something completely new, presenting four different episode orders. The version you've um, shown has nothing to do with gender, ethnicity, or sexual identity. Um, that was Netflix's um, statement on that. Are you guys thinking that these streaming services are actually, uh, I'm sorry, are you guys thinking that these streaming subscribers to these services are actually paranoid, or is Netflix really clocking who you clocking? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, so, <laughs> one, if they are doing that, I think it's genius and really, really freaking cool, because if you are heterosexual then you would find that the most interesting and if you are uh not heterosexual then you would find the other episodes more interesting i don't see any problem with it um do i think that they're doing that i kind of don't but if they are genius smart like what else can you do netflix okay i for one am not cool with netflix being curious about if i'm bi or not that is not cool, Netflix. Um, they've been accused of other shenanigans uh, with uh, when it comes to race. They have actually been accused of uh, changing the cover art for different movies and TV shows based on if they think that you are of a certain ethnicity. So if they think you're black, they'll take a movie uh, that stars Kelsey Grammer called Like Father. They'll show an image of a black man on the cover a black guy who's in the movie for 10 seconds and instead of showing you Kelsey Grammer to lure you into watching it and also they've been accused of other things like if they think that you are gay that if there is a, a guy who's shirtless in a movie for 10 seconds they'll put his image on the cover to like lure you into watching it so that's weird to me I, don't, <laughs> I just feel like choose artwork for the cover, um, I don't want to see people that aren't the star of a movie in artwork because I feel like it's misleading and it's, what it's going to only do is piss people off. Because if I want to see a story about, like, you know, Latina lesbians, but you think I'm straight and white, you'll uh, give me an image of just, like, you know, some white couple and I'll be like, well, wait, is this movie about lesbians or what's, what's this, what is this movie about? So I feel like they're misleading people to get them to click to start watching something and when they end up seeing something they, they weren't trying to see they're just going to be annoyed so i don't get what the i don't see the what the end benefit is what do you think tone uh, i'm assuming that this has to do in uh it's, it's supposed to make it more enticing for the viewers i just don't see if you don't let's say you're not familiar with the actual content the episode itself how would changing the order of the episodes actually uh, make you more likely to click on a particular episode. Um, something that I've noticed on Netflix is that the thumbnails for the actual movies tend to change time to time. And I'm wondering if that's also some type of algorithm that's working and maybe showing certain subscribers 
um, certain images that they might find more enticing to click on. That's what I was just saying two seconds ago. That's yes, yes that's the point. That that they're 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 the, the reason why the the thumbnails change is because they're they're uh, supposedly looking at your past history and what you watched and making certain uh, decisions or educated guesses on on your demo, your age, your race, your sexual orientation, and based on that, they're trying to figure out which cover art is more likely to make you click and start watching a film or a television show and that's why people are noticing differences i've had people actually send me screenshots of their uh device where they i've seen where their cover art is different than the cover art that i have for the same exact movie or television show okay well i'm gonna admit right now that i am guilty of not having an interest in a show and noticing that they changed the cover to something that actually is more appealing to me. I can't remember what the show is, but they made a cover that was kind of like this anime cover, um, which was definitely different than the actual show. And I was like, Ooh, and like I clicked it. So that works on me. I love when they change the covers. It gives me a renewed interest in something that maybe I wanted to come back to. And like, I will actually click on it, even though I know it's the same exact thing. Then when they switch the covers, that gets me excited. So maybe I'm weird. But what happens if they've tricked you into thinking it's an anime thing and you see the, they change the cover, but then you watch it. There's not really anime in the bulk of the thing. There's like maybe somebody's looking at an anime something in the movie. There, somebody's watching an anime a film or, or TV show for two seconds, and they put that on the cover, and you watch it. And you're like, Wait, there's not any anime in this. Well, then I've been tr- like, I I know what our relationship is. I know I know that ain't no anime. I know what this is. Okay, they just you know enticed me. And and I wanted it, so. All right. Oh wow. All right. And you wanted this is, it. This is this is the me too. This is a, this is not a me too moment, people. <laughs> oh my god. I no. You will not do this to net, me, Netflix. You will not make me trick me into watching things I don't want to watch. No. Listen. Sometimes they change the covers on shows I've already watched, and it makes me want to go and watch it again just because they gave this really cool, slick looking cover. I'm like, ooh, look at this. I'm like, you are a special, unique flower, Sherry. There is no one like you. No one. That's anyway. right. Oh, wait, wait, not cool. And oh, and as far as the 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 uh, the love, uh, death, and robots, the idea is people actually watch most things in order on Netflix when it comes to episodes. And even though uh, this is an anthology series where each uh, movie or episode is independent. They can be in any order, but generally people will watch and they'll just push play and watch them in the order that they are automatically presented. And so the theory is that if they want to get people to like and watch more of it, they want to, if you, if they think that you're heterosexual, they're going to entice you by giving you the sexiest uh, short film 
first to keep you watching. And if they think that you're, you know, heteros, uh, homosexual, they're going to give you something they think that will entice you by giving you the first taste of something that they think is more provocative that you might be attracted to, to keep you watching. So they have a very unique opportunity with this particular uh, series, unlike regular series that have an episode order that has to be in a certain order. So that's the thinking behind them playing with this and Netflix claiming that, oh, no, we're just doing we're just testing four different orders just because it's not nothing to see here, folks. Don't look at what we're doing. Yeah. Let me also point out, Kevin, that uh, the idea of putting things in order so the, the, the experience is, is better for the person consuming the media is something that people who listen to music are probably very familiar with. Um, the, song, the order of the songs in an album can make a great difference to how you perceive the album. And I think being that Sex, Love, and Robots is, is, uh, is an anthology series, like you said, none of them are actually, um, there's, no, um, there's no chronological order here. Um, this might be something that we might not see in a, for a while in another type of series, because most series do have some type of chronological order to them. You can't just like, you know, put the last episode first and people will be cool with that. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right when it comes to uh, ch- changing the order when when it comes to music. That's one thing that do people actually still listen to albums in the uh, suggested order? Because I that's one thing I've loved about the digital changes in the way we consume media is the fact that. I never listen to albums all the way through because I never found an out al- most albums there's not enough good songs to listen to it from start to finish. That's sad. Yeah. And great. Thanks guys. Now I'm gonna have to watch the series. <laughs> oh my god, yes. You absolutely have to watch. It's not and actually tone added sex. There's no sex in the title. That says a lot about more about tone. <laughs> so, I, I need to see his thumbnails. What is he saying? It's actually love, death, death and, robot. and robots. Yes. Oh <laughs> my gosh, we're gonna have to share thumbnails with each other after the show. Yeah, I, I need to, of us. I need to see Tone's thumbnails with a quickness right now. <laughs> what the hell is he saying? All right, so what else was going on this week? What was happening on Wednesday, Tone? So on Wednesday, less than a week after 50 people were killed in two mosques, allegedly by a lone gunman and New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern announced a ban on all types of semi-automatic weapons, assault rifles, and high-capacity magazines. Ardern said that she expected a new legislation to be placed by April 11th. Um, after 20 children and six adults were killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School in 2012 here in the United States, there were widespread calls for the very least universal background checks. But more than six years later, they still haven't materialized. What do you guys think here is, is the difference between the, how speedy uh, New Zealand has actually tackled this, this tragedy and how things have been basically stuck here in America when it comes to tragedies like this? Kevin. You want me to take? You want to take this, Sherry? Okay. Uh, this is so. Uh, first of all, I'm, I want to make it clear. I'm very happy for the people of New Zealand because they have a functioning government that seems to work in the best interest of uh, their citizens. Sadly, I don't believe we can say the same thing here in the U.S. It was an app. The sad thing is, Sandy Hook wasn't the first mass shooting that we dealt with as a nation. We've dealt with so many. It's just, it's almost a common occurrence. And the sad thing is, I remember when I was a kid, we had these things called fire drills where we would have to practice evacuating the, uh, mm-hmm. the elementary school. Now kids have active shooter drills. 
And I'm not saying that they shouldn't. They should. This is a real thing that can happen. So, it's, in fact, I'm, uh, there's more active shooter things than there actually are fires at school. So it makes sense that you're doing it. But the idea that we're living in a world now where it's okay that kids have to prepare for an active shooter wandering through their school and our federal government is just like, no dice. We're not going to do anything. Another thing I'm sick of is that whole thing when there's a, uh, there's a thing that always happens when we have a mass shooting. There's instantly a cry for some kind of stopping in, in uh, getting rid of uh, things like bump stops or high-capacity magazines. And what happens is the NRA and the Republicans that are supported by the NRA say, like, you know what? A tragedy just happened. People are trying to politicize this tragedy. Um, let's just take a time and uh, take our time and wait mm-hmm. and and our thoughts and prayers to the families. And no, I'm tired of your your thoughts and your prayers are incredibly hollow because if they weren't hollow, you would, there's never been enough time for them to actually do something. We're supposed to wait after the each tra- there's a shooting, 20 kids are shot. Let's wait. After that passes, we're just moving on to other stuff and let's wait for the next shooting and the whole mm-hmm. process starts all over again. Speaking of that, I have something uh, really sad that I have to uh, that happened uh, today, Friday. Um, Sydney Aleo A I E L L O, who survived the mass shooting at uh, um, at uh, uh, Stone uh, Stoneman uh, Douglas High School last year in Florida, died by suicide. Uh, this past weekend, uh, it was just announced today. Uh, her mother says uh, she struggled with survivor's guilt and was diagnosed as having post-traumatic stress disorder. And so to, to have this girl who managed uh, after seeing friends murdered last year could not take it anymore, the pain still that she was re- re- uh, dealing with, and to see how quickly less than a week after a horrible tragedy in New Zealand, how action was taken. And I will say another thing. The Parkland kids have been so courageous. They have held their government in Florida's feet to the fire and actually made some change at least happen in that state. But no federal changes. It is so disgusting. I, I Anyway, it just the fact that we lost someone else. And again, I feel like she is also a victim of that gun violence. Mm-hmm. Even though she committed suicide, if it weren't, if if that hadn't happened, that girl would be alive today. And it makes me sick. So I'll let you guys uh, share what you're thinking right now. Sherry, I am I am very happy that New Zealand is setting that example. I know they're not doing it for us, but it's definitely making a lot of people in the United States like open their eyes. Like, because we're so used to things not really moving, but we've been shown another possibility. And so people are like, okay, well, what is the deal? So hopefully we can actually take into account the speed with which we can start changing this. I feel so sad about the girl. So are we thinking that what happened in New Zealand was like the catalyst that kind of pushed her over the edge? That's like, you know, that's I didn't even think of that, Sherry. That's an excellent point. I guess when you've been traumatized by being in a mass shooting, each time that kind of thing plays out on the news, it must bring it all back. And honestly, <clears throat> I had a hard time watching some of the coverage. I didn't want to see um, a lot of the images. Unfortunately, the attacker who uh, or killer, why am I calling me an attacker? Uh, he live streamed 
his uh, murderous rampage. And that's another issue. It is all over the internet. There have been people fighting to get it down. They've been demanding that Google and other uh, 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 companies work tirelessly to get it down. And it's off of Facebook, but it still keeps sprouting up and people have it. And so they keep putting it back out there. There are other cases where people were killed that keep being put on the internet. There was a case where a a reporter and a cameraman were murdered on live television. Mm -hmm. And the father of that female reporter is still, this was like a couple years ago, and he's still fighting to get the video of his daughter off of being murdered off the internet. And so the question is, uh, the the companies keep claiming that it's difficult to do. The question to me is, is, do we have the technology for some kind of algorithm to recognize certain videos and put certain signatures on said video so it can instantly identify what kind of video it is as it's being put up? Because it just seems ridiculous that how it works now is literally this man has to keep searching for videos of his daughter being murdered, and then each time he finds it, report it. It should not be the 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 uh, family or friends of a victim's job to police the internet to make sure mur- graphic murders or any kind of not, only graphic murders. The non-graphic murders are fine with me. But anyway, no murders should be available for people to view for some kind of sick reason on the internet. And speaking of jobs, um, so whose job it is, responsibility, I was, I was really um, kind of taken back by um, and, and just surprised by how, how well it's, this, is, this is a horrible tragedy, but the way that the government in New Zealand handled this was just like, it's just been uh, uh, such, such a difference to, to what we here in the States are used to. The fact that the government's actually um, paying for the funerals of the victims, like that just blew me away. Um, here, it seems like everybody's basically, forget the medical costs and the trauma of this, um, basically people are left to deal with, with, with uh, the broken pieces of these things. So it's just been really um, like eye-opening to see the difference. Oh, my God. I had not heard about the fact that the government was paying for the funerals. Again, that uh, what Sherry was saying is absolutely right. It's giving us a completely different vision of what a government that seems to actually care about its people as opposed to like gun ad, the the gun the corporate this is a money thing these companies take a lot of money selling these guns and selling the weapons and selling the bump stops all of the different things that these uh people end up using to commit mass murder because these are weapons of war these weapons were designed uh, to be uh, used by soldiers because it's there's no other reason for them. It's to kill a lot of people as quickly as possible. This isn't about hunting or some tradition. Because I, mean, I hate if I hear one more politician mention like, "Well, my grandpa took me hunting." I'm like, "That's great, but you, you don't need you don't need a magazine." I don't, are, are you being attacked by a herd of deer where you need to kill as many of them as possible? No, you're not. So I, I have a real problem with that. And uh, seeing another country handle it so seamlessly, so quickly is, I hope, a wake-up call for us. Because clearly all the different murders don't seem to be a wake-up call for us. Each and every time they happen, we talk about it for a week or so on the news. Not even a week anymore. We talk about it for a few days where we become so numb to these kinds of tragedies. And speaking of the stark difference in leadership, at the exact same time 
that their prime minister was enacting these laws to protect their people. Our president was having a real Housewives of Washington feud with a dead man. Donald Trump literally, with TV cameras and everything, was going off on uh, John McCain and complaining that he wasn't thanked for John McCain's funeral, which why would he be? Uh, which I thought it was a class act that they even allowed him to come mm-hmm. because when it comes to any other uh, state funeral, they ha- he hasn't been invited to anything. Uh, basically, they send Melania because uh, he is so unwelcomed at, uh, at, at different events. But as a peace gesture, John McCain said that the president should be attending his funeral, even though he had been a, a total dick to him in life. Uh, but he actually said that John McCain uh, isn't his kind of man. And I, and I could not agree more mr trump john mccain is not your kind of man john mccain a went and fought for his country he didn't draft dodge like you did with five deferments and then supposedly having bone spurs and one my favorite thing about the bone spur story is he's been asked repeatedly about that and each time he changes which leg it's in he doesn't even remember which where the bone spurs were exactly um and and he also referred to Studio 54 days and the discos and all the sex he was having as his personal Vietnam. So a real class act. John McCain uh, was a person of privilege. His He had a high rank. Uh, his father was a high-ranking official uh, in the military. And when he was captured, they were willing, uh, the Viet Cong was willing to let John McCain go as a gesture. John McCain would not leave uh, until all of his men could leave with him. And so he stayed for, I believe, uh, almost a year more of torture he endured. That is a man, that is a hero. And so, yes, Trump, he is not your kind of guy. Wow. Speaking of which, he also said King John Woo was his kind of guy today, or something like that. So yeah, like, so I think I think that explains the, the, what kind of uh, what kind of person uh, Trump is versus John McCain. I'm not claiming John McCain is uh, perfect. I'm not I'm not lionizing him in death, but he was definitely uh, a far better man than our current president. All right, so I guess enough of uh, that. Let's move on to Thursday. Okay, so on Thursday. It was reported that the long rumored discless um, Xbox One S all digital edition will be launching on May 7th. And earlier this week, Google announced that a new cloud based gaming subscription service, Stadia, which is plural for Stadium, Google claims Stadia will be capable of streaming video games in 4K resolution at 60 frames per second with Xbox going discless and Google Stadia trying to be the Netflix of gaming. Could this be the end of seemingly the infinite console wars that we've been experiencing? Or is this actually the death of physical media, guys? Sherry, you want to take this first? Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, so for starters, I have to say that I'm definitely an Xbox girl. Um, So, okay, we got that out of the way. Um, I am really, really... Sponsorship! (laughs) I'm really excited about the idea of Stadia because it will... I think it will really level the playing field. They were saying how you can, like, directly um, upload your content or, um, yeah, upload your content to YouTube. 
So you wouldn't have to jump through the hoops of a capture card or uh, getting a PlayStation 4 or anything like that, which I think is really awesome because my son is trying to be a streamer and that stuff can be really, really expensive. Mm -hmm. So I'm extremely excited about the potential for Stadia. But my question is like, well, when is this supposed to be even coming out? Um, and about the Xbox with no, uh, no uh, physical media. Yeah, no physical media. I think that is really exciting for people who don't already have an Xbox. I definitely don't think there's anyone who's going to like throw away their current Xbox One to go get that one. But for people who have not already invested, then they don't even have to invest in the physical discs. But I'm assuming that the games are going to be the same price. Right? What do you guys think? Well, okay, okay. The, uh, I too am excited about uh, Stadia because my dream is the end of the physical console. I, I don't understand the concept that to play different games, we're supposed to have multiple consoles. It's it to, to me it would be the equivalent if each movie studio had its own kind of disc mm -hmm. and we had to have, if you wanted to watch movies from Paramount pictures, we need to get a Paramount disc player. And if you want to watch movies from 20th century Fox, we need to have a 20th century Fox disc player. That's lunacy. I want one kind of video game console that I can buy games from Nintendo, uh, PlayStation, and so on. And that is what, to me, Stadia could do. Is Stadia successful? I, I don't believe they've announced a launch date, but it's supposed to be sometime this calendar year. Wow. Um, so that would be amazing if it actually comes to fruition. And one of the great features is what seems like right out of the Jetsons or something, even the Jetsons couldn't imagine this, is when you're on YouTube and you're, I'm watching, say, your son live stream, um, and uh, I can literally click on a button and join him in the point of the game where he is and I guess yeah, yeah. get him back up, which yeah. is insane. Sanity yeah. and the idea that I could get invite you guys. I want to basically play a game with you guys and like listen. There's a particular tough part of the game. I'm like Sherry Tone, you know, give me backup and then poof, you guys get a link and you click on it and then you guys are there in your armor and we are taking down that dragon together. That's Amazing. awesome. I got your back. And for people, I knew you would. So, <laughs> so anyway, so I am beyond excited. I'm a casual gamer, to be honest. And so I am, just like you are an Xbox girl, I have been a PlayStation boy because I love my violence cute and cuddly. I'm all about, I'm all about the Ratchet and Clank kind of deals. Um, so Sly Cooper, that's my kind of violence. And then a, another kind of thing, I love Nintendo, but I, I, I refuse to buy the Nintendo Switch to just play one game. And that one game is Mario Kart. All oh. day, every day. I am all about Mario Kart. And yes. Play PlayStation had their own version of Mario Kart on 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 a, a PS3 called Mod Nation Racers, which was amazing. But there never was a Mod Nation Racers for uh, PS4. I hope you guys get it right for PS5. If there even is a PS5, thanks to uh, Stadia taking you guys down a peg, that would be great. You guys could stop making physical media, stop making uh, uh, stop actually making consoles, and start just making great games that we can all play through our subscriptions to Stadia. Thanks, Google. Um, so one other thing. Uh, so what do you guys think about the den the the possible end of physical media? Because let's face it, right now we have things uh like Spotify and Apple Music. So I don't know about you guys. I haven't bought a physical CD 
I can't even remember the last time. Literally, if you came to my house and looked at, I actually have a shelf that has a bunch of uh, CDs on it. Um, and if you look at them, they all stop around the time that Napster was created. Wow. That's when my <laughs> CD collection stopped. Right, they, you can pinpoint it like, oh, well, this is what Napster's because Kevin doesn't have anything past like uh, like 1999 or something. It's insane. So um, I don't have any physical media that way. I used to have a Netflix subscription where I used to get actually get the uh, disc yes. in the mail, and they would sit on my coffee table, and I would just be sitting there streaming stuff. And I'm like, why am I paying to have these discs sit on my coffee table? And so I don't have any physical media of any kind now. And if with Stadia, uh, and I get rid of my paste, my PlayStation Three, I haven't even bought a four yet. I tried to during a uh, sales in December for one ninety nine, and they were sold out everywhere. And I refused to pay uh, over three hundred dollars for something that's worth two hundred dollars right. at the end of its life cycle. So, what do you guys feel about physical media? I know that Tone used to actually buy real physical comic books, and I think is, isn't that over for you now, Tone? Th that is correct. Now I get all my comic books on Amazon. I actually purchased the app that I used to get my comic books on. That and like I have to get so much shelf space. Like I have so much shelf space dedicated to comic books, and now I just buy them online. Um, yes, there's no future possibility of me um, getting some money back because you can't resell the first edition, for example, because you can't get like a first edition to download. But um. I think uh, this is definitely a tipping point. I think for someone like, um, if you want to speak for all millennials, Sherry, <laughs> no pressure. Um, I, I, I see that younger people are really not interested in buying albums. They're not really interested in, everything is basically like on a lease uh, kind of uh, situation. Absolutely. You're so right. We are investing that Twelve ninety nine into Netflix, but we don't own anything. And the second we decide to stop paying that subscription, we have nothing except memories. Um, but I would love to be one of the early adopters of Stadia when that comes out. I would not miss buying physical media. The only thing that I have bought um, over the last year that's physical is um, like uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, movies because they're not on Netflix. You can't get them on Hulu. You can't get them anywhere on a streaming service. So the only way to get them was to purchase them for my daughter. So that's the only content I bought. I love downloading games online on your Xbox because one, you don't have to wait for it to be shipped. Two, mm -hmm. my kids will scratch the discs anyway. Learn that the hard <laughs> way. So forget the discs. And the copy stays good forever on your Xbox. And you can re-download it as many times as you want to. So speaking for all millennials, we don't need the physical stuff. Now, one <laughs> other thing about when it comes to... <laughs> <laughs> all physical media and i agree that's a great that is a great point when it comes to disc as far as them getting scratched and damaged that is an excellent point but one thing that bothers me about this new leasing culture we're in is not holding on to anything now at least when you buy the video games digitally the idea is you own it with a it's a code uh, that's uh that's tied to your account so if you buy another if you get a new uh console or whatever your game ownership is supposed to continue and so i think that what's supposed to happen as well as each each uh new version of consoles come out you'll still be able to play let's say your xbox one version of a game will still work on your the newer console because you'll still be downloading and it'll be it'll work supposedly seamlessly so i don't know if that's actually true but if it is true that's great 
One thing I do feel could be a game changer if one company was smart enough to do this Mm -hmm. and set themselves apart when it comes to music and even like Netflix uh, to to, to help take down Netflix because it is a giant. The only thing that could possibly take it down would be, of course, Disney Play, which is coming soon. Disney, listen to me. If you're smart, this could be the Netflix killer app. What you do is when we're paying to lease your content, you should give everybody like a voucher for two things where we could actually download an episode or a movie that we get to keep. So if we end our subscription to Disney, we still possess those particular things. The same thing with music. I know Pandora has just been dwarfed and it's hanging on by a thread uh, when it comes to Apple being beaten by Apple Music and say uh, um, Spotify. What you need to do is say, all right, you're paying $10 a month to have a Pandora or whatever service. And each month you get to download three tracks that are yours always and forever. Wow. That would be a killer app to take down some of these big guys. So you could actually have something that's yours. And you're right. Because if you, if I end my relationship with Netflix tomorrow, all I have is memories. I don't have anything to show for all the money I spent. So give somebody, if they actually added the benefit of actually owning some of the things that you're paying to rent, uh, renting to own, uh, you know, uh, Infinity War. That would make a huge difference mm-hmm. and, and actually set them apart from these other juggernauts. Speaking for all millennials, we don't care to download and own the things. We just want to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Sherry. Thanks so much for that. So, all, right, so, <laughs> all right. So um, I have uh, I won't actually handle the Friday story. Uh, on Friday, special uh, console Robert Mueller finished his investigation of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Mueller, uh, 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 Mueller's confidential report has been delivered to Attorney General William Barr. The Justice Department announced uh, this afternoon. And in a letter, Attorney General Bill, uh, Bill Barr told chairs and ranking members of the House and uh, uh, Senate uh, ju- uh, judicial committees that he may be able to brief them on Mueller's principal conclusions as soon as this weekend. And he'll make a determination about uh, what, if any, information uh, from the report can be released to the public. So how do you guys feel? We've been living uh, with, you know, for it's seemingly forever, this investigation. And a lot of people uh, on, have, felt, have been on two sides of this. Some people feel like it's a witch hunt. And I always say that if it was a witch hunt, they caught a lot of witches. <laughs> a lot of people are in jail now. A lot of people have been indicted. Uh, so... Uh, and some of us have thought of this. Could, could this uh, Mueller report be the dragon killer that takes down our horrible, horrible president? So how do you guys feel about the report finally being done uh, and uh, sitting on uh, the attorney general's desk right now? Well, I'm for really me, excited. you're really excited. <laughs> yes. Like, let's get this. Let's do this process. Let's get this done and over with. I want to see what's going to happen. Wow. I'm I'm actually um 
I, I, I guess I guess surprise is the sense like we've been waiting for this report for so long. It's been two years of his presidency that we've just been waiting to see it. And there's been so much implied about um about what possibly could be in the report. And I just looked at uh, Fox and I looked at CNN and they're already busy spinning the hell out of this thing and they're in their in their own leaning. So no one knows what's in the report so far, but. Um, you have people over here celebrating, oh, no collusion, no collusion. You guys wasted your time, da da da. And you have people on the left saying, oh, this is it. We're, we're going to slay the dragon. So um, I say definitely release a report. The American people deserve, um, deserve transparency. And I think in order to move forward, like in order to really put this thing to bed, it needs to be released. And everybody needs to be have, a, have an opportunity to read this thing. Oh, I agree with you, Tone. The idea that we're not going to get all of the report or even most of the report is incredibly upsetting. I have no idea what's in it. And uh, the idea that people are still trying to say, oh, this proves no collusion. A, you haven't read the report yet. We don't know what's in the report. We don't know if there are sealed indictments. And we also know that the report has already launched several investigations in other places, including the District of Columbia, as well as uh, New York State. There are investigations uh, and indictments coming down involving Donald Trump and his cohorts uh, or associates, whatever you want to call them, partners in crime, some might say. <laughs> some, of those, some of those people being me. So, so, so um, it, what's another crazy thing is that we've been hearing rumors about the reports about to be about to come out for almost this, all the two years that it's been happening. The investigations been going on. We kept hearing, "Oh, it's going to be out by Thanksgiving. Oh, it's going to be out by Christmas. Oh, it's going to be out by New Year's." And that was a year ago. And so, when it actually, there have been rumors this week that it was coming soon, and it's just like, mm-hmm, "Yeah, right." And then. On Friday, I was like, what? It actually happened? So I'm, I'm not sure if this is actually Christmas and we're going to actually get uh, what we really want, what I really want for Christmas, a brand new shiny president. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or if we're going to get the, the, the lump of coal we already have, Donald Trump. I also do think that we deserve complete transparency. Uh, I acknowledge that there may be parts that were not allowed to look at but i think that they should release everything that they can to us oh yeah everything they can release and and the parts that they can't release to the public i need people that i actually trust i need you know on both sides of the aisle i need to know that they have all read all of the report and they can report to i want to get people that i actually trust to like i need Kamala harris they're like i read the whole report and what they can't tell what they're not telling you they can't tell you due to national security i need to hear somebody i actually trust say that kind of thing i don't need just this attorney general that that was handpicked by trump himself to be the gatekeeper going like yeah nothing to see here people mm-hmm. no i don't i i need a lot of people to see this and to tell us, you know, that it's okay. What we're not seeing is there's a reason why we're not seeing it. Absolutely. All right. I guess, I guess it's time for uh, our favorite part of the show. Trailer talk. Trailer talk. Alrighty. So, Tone, what was going on in the world of entertainment this week? So, can you say Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot? So, this week, guys, the Twitterverse was talking about the idea that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 
could have a reboot. Karen Parsons, who we all know as Hillary Banks from the show, said that she was open to the idea of a possible reboot during an interview with Bold TV. She touched on the loss of James Avery, who played Uncle Phil. He passed away. And she said that because of his loss and how important his, the character was to the show, that she kind of she imagines it being hard that this would happen. But she's totally into the idea of a reboot. And people are definitely online talking about it. Would you guys be interested in seeing a fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot at this point? Absolutely. Speaking for all millennials who actually were old enough to know that it existed. Wow. <laughs> oh, God. Rub it in. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I think that she should most definitely be excited about a reboot only because she's like currently working at Taco Bell. So what? the idea that, that she <laughs> not Kevin. No, not Sherry. I'm talking about uh, uh, what's her name? Banks. What was that woman? Hillary the... Banks. I mean, Hillary Banks, yeah, the actress. What's her name? Karen Parsons. Karen Parsons. Yeah, I think she's working at Taco Bell, or and she has and she's moonlighting, selling oranges on the side of the road. Wow. So she's saving lives, is what you're saying, Kevin? That's a very important <laughs> job. That is an important job, but it only that. It, 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 the sad thing is, as important as it is to work at Taco Bell, you're still only getting making minimum wage. So I think <laughs> it would be a huge step up for her to, to be able to do a uh, a Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot. So, oh, I did like. Well, she's kids like she's open to it. Of course, she's open to it. In fact. She is right now on bended knee and in front of Will Smith going, please, I need a job. My children need to eat something besides Taco Bell hot sauce. Which wow, is delicious. Seven. It mm. is delicious, but she needs some they need to eat something else, but something that isn't Mexican. Uh, have you guys not seen the trailer for the Fresh Prince of Bel Air movie? Oh, well, no, that actually was that's hysterical. For those of you who haven't heard, there was a, somebody actually put out a trailer. There is no real movie. It's just a trailer. But the trailer actually does a dramatized version of the French, French Prince of Bel-Air, which deals with uh, things like gang violence, uh, police brutality, and, um, and racism. And so it's, it's really interesting. So if you were to try and reboot the French Prince of Bel-Air, could they do it? Could it have the same vibe that the original show had, or would they have to give it a darker vibe because we're living in darker times? So that was that's not a real movie you can watch. It's, it's not going to be a real movie. It was just it was somebody put out just an, uh, an idea of a dark version of because wow. because there are dark themes in the original. When you think about it. I mean, it's the the whole idea was uh, uh, he moved because of gang violence. Yeah, he moved because of gang violence, and there was like threats of him being uh, killed or something mm -hmm. in his West in West Philadelphia, where he was born, born, and, born and raised. And of course, so, <laughs> so, so he so he moved to uh, to Bel Air to be safe. And so, but the funny thing is, they also dealt with police violence because in the opening of the show, he's being like you know harassed by uh, by police. So the, the idea that if you were to reimagine that show today, it could actually be a drama. Wow. You have crushed my dreams. <laughs> Wait, I crushed your dreams? Are the people who only made a trailer crushed your dreams? Well, I was thinking at some point it was going to come out and I was going to watch it. I would have been in limbo forever, but you just crushed all of it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we didn't review that trailer because you would have been heartbroken that you can't go see it in a movie theater. <laughs> well, it's not in a foreign language, so she wouldn't review it. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are funny. Wow. <laughs> oh, I have never heard such sarcastic laughter in my whole life. <laughs> wow. You millennials are mean. All right. Yeah. 
All right, Tone, what's next? In other reboot news, people, online this week, everybody was hyped because the idea that the sliders, that's right, sliders from the 90s might be coming back. So so the actor, John Reese Davies, who co-starred on the 90s science fiction show, had talked with the lead of the show, Jerry O'Connell, about the possibility of actually rebooting the series. And this re- idea of rebooting the series got everybody on Twitter just going crazy because some people remember sliders and some people don't. But everybody, I think, is interested in actually bringing the show back. Are you guys into some sliding in 2019? Uh, yes. Oh, my God. That was my show when I was, like, younger. And I had a big, big crush on Jerry O'Connell. Like, stop everything. Everybody, <laughs> nobody breathe. Nobody talk. Because sliders is on. Like, my eyes would be glued to the television for every freaking second. I don't care if I was hungry. I don't care if I had to go to the bathroom. Nothing was going to interrupt any second of sliders, I was watching it eyes glued. I feel very disappointed that I did not suggest this show for a reboot, but you know what? I'm making amends now. Please, please remake that show. Also, if you need a black girl with locks, put me in. <laughs> All right. Wow. That, that's that's what we call enthusiasm. All right. So yes. for those for those of us who don't really have any sliders memories. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was the show about? Was it about them sliding in different times or were they going to different dimensions? Where were they sliding? Kevin, I expect this from Sherry. Kevin! <laughs> you know, I'm I would have so I would have watched sliders if it had been in a foreign language and I could have read the show. Wow. I would have been happy okay. to. Sure, so, I'll what? tell you what it's about. Okay, so Jerry O'Connell, who is a very, for some reason to me, back then attractive guy. Um, and Ouch. he's really he's really smart. And he is trying to build a machine that will create wormholes to visit other dimensions. And it works. The only problem is his remote breaks, so he gets stuck in other parallel dimensions. And he... And, First, he thinks he went back home to his real reality, but things are just slightly off. Like his gate at his house doesn't squeak anymore. And and so he has to figure out he's in the wrong universe. So then he has to jump again. And basically the whole show is about him trying to get back to his real uh, universe. And he collects friends along the way and... Um, just some of the worlds are so crazy and insane. Oh my God, just a joy ride from start to finish. So what you're basically saying is he was lost in inner space? Yes. Uh, now, was there actually a finale for the series or did it just get canceled where there was no kind of resolution? No resolution if my, my, if my memory serves me. There were two, ep- basically the series at the end of it had its two, um, it moved, it moved networks, and it ended up... I think it was original USA, and the last two seasons, I think, were on sci-fi. All right, so there, so it's, it actually is ripe for a comeback where they can actually continue the story and try to get him home to his uh, uh, home universe, I guess. Yes. All right. Now, oh, my God. So he must actually maybe be trapped in a parallel universe where uh, Taco Bell hot sauce <laughs> killed people? Yes! Wow! <laughs> that would be freaky! Wow. Yes. Yes. All right, now you guys have sold me on the show. I need to see that crazy universe where Taco Bell's hot sauce doesn't heal. And I must mention the crying man. There's uh, this this guy who uh, sings soul music, but he's washed up, and uh, he just sings and cries and makes the ladies swoon. 
the crack. Aww. All right. He's probably crying because in his universe, they don't have Taco Bell's delicious hot sauce. Correct. All right, Tone. So what, what else is going on in entertainment? Okay. Uh, before we move on, I just looked it up. It was on Fox, and then it moved over to Sci-Fi Channel for those people who are going to, like, write us emails later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to shame us. And speaking of public shaming, is public shaming ever okay? So Jay Leno asked for more civility on late-night talk shows, and last week tonight's host, John Oliver, responded by digging up a whole bunch of clips, a montage, let's call it, of uncivility, uh, where, Jay, where Jay Leno basically was making jokes at the cost of Monica Lewinsky. And, and this is um, something that people online definitely, uh, it, caught, it, it caught people's attention. Um, not because with Monica Lewinsky, when she, uh, when, when the whole scandal happened with her, uh, when Bill Clinton, this is before the internet, and it just showed like the power of shame. And the people today are dealing with so much more shame because online, it kind of, um, it, it's exponentially larger the shame that we experience now because of online shaming. So, what are you guys take on on public shaming? Is it ever okay? Okay, well, well, first of all, I gotta say, I, I, didn't we have the internet when the, it happened? We just didn't have social media the way we do today. I thought the internet existed back then, didn't it? This is the nineties. Yes, you're right, Kevin. You're right. Yes. No yeah, no, we have. Yeah. I I'm talking about social internet. media. Correct. We're talking about Facebook. Okay, yeah. Twitter. I thought I had internet back then, but anyway. Um, anyway, yeah. So. Uh, the, 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 uh, I think that's a fair question because it depends on who's being internet shamed, I think, because uh, John Oliver talked, talked about the fact that when you're shaming somebody who has, doesn't have power or a real platform versus shaming somebody who's a public figure, like, say, a Jesse Smollett, uh, who's a public figure, when they get caught doing something, allegedly, <laughs> even though it's it, clearly he's guilty, but allegedly, even though we know he did it, allegedly, Anyway, so because there was a case he talked about where there was a woman that was I don't know if you guys remember a story where there were, a woman was labeled on the Internet and all the different talk shows as being the uh, America's worst aunt because a little boy, uh, her nephew ran up to her. And when he ran up to her, he ended up hurting her arm. And so that she was suing him. But the, the truth was she was actually suing to get uh, health coverage from their homeowner's insurance. And her brother uh, and his family, they understood and were cool. Her nephew was cool with her, and they were cool with each other. This was just a, uh, something they had to do to get her uh, the uh, get her arm fixed, uh, her, her medical bills paid for. So it wasn't any kind of hatred involved. But they, she was labeled as the world's or, or America's worst aunt, and everybody made fun of her, and, and she had difficulty getting jobs because if you search for her name, the first thing that comes up as world's worst aunt uh, kind of thing. So that kind of shaming, and it's not even a true story, that is horrific. But if somebody's coming down on, say, you know, the college scandal with Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, both of whom I have uh, taken down their social media accounts, what a surprise. Um, oh, and speaking of that, there have been repercussions uh, for Lori Laughlin. She was fired from her gig over on uh, Hallmark Channel. She was the queen of Hallmark Channel. So not only was she on a show called Wind Calls the Heart, uh, initially it was announced that the show was canceled. The show has not been canceled, but her part on the show has been canceled. And so the show is going to be retooled and come back with uh, starring uh, somebody else who apparently didn't uh, pay to get their kids, uh, their stupid daughters into school. Wow. So, <laughs> so, wow. 
so there've been repercussions for her and uh also she also she was she did a bunch of tv movies for them so you kept watching her fall in love with like middle-aged men that work with their hands she would fall in love with a mechanic in some movies oh she'd fall in love with a plumber in a movie or she'd fall in love with a guy who like did wood carving in a movie i don't know for, for some reason when women fall in love on hallmark channel all the guys work with their hands i think that's hallmark's way of saying this guy knows what he's doing ladies so anyway <laughs> i got a little bit off topic so the question is when it comes to Lori laughlin being let go from hallmark is it premature is she being bullied by hallmark because she hasn't been found guilty of anything yet she's just been accused so what do you guys think of people being uh and people have been calling for jesse smollett to be let go from uh uh empire fox's empire he has been let go off he's not on the last two episodes of the season uh and there's uh, rumors that he might be let go from the show so is it okay to fire people when they've just been accused of things and or should we wait until they actually are found guilty you see this is something that i find really interesting because if you if you look at the situation with with roseanne um, ABC made a choice to let her go because they said what she said obviously wasn't in line with their with their co- with their company, um, the morality of her, their company, and and then I wonder if these are private enterprises, are they not able to hire and fire people at will? Um, I think it's different if we're talking about in a government situation where let's say um, just a small that worked for the government or uh, he worked for for a city or he was a civil servant. I understand that we have to maybe wait, obviously, for the person to be found guilty in a court of law. Um, but even in YouTube, for example, we've seen cases where channels have not been taken down until the person was actually convicted of something. Okay, no, I'm not, oh, no, I'm not saying. Clearly, the contracts say that they can kick Lori Laughlin to the curb. Sorry, Ann Becky. <laughs> I don't know. Who, the, the wind is no longer ca- taking your heart's calls. But um, th- I understand that they ha- have the ability to. The question is, should they? Should we be standing up for Lori Laughlin uh, because it's innocent until proven guilty uh, and, and boycotting Hallmark until they bring her back, until we know for sure if she's found guilty or not? That's what I'm asking. I know that they have the right to. The question is, should they? You want to think we got this with sci-fi? <laughs> that's, that's really tough. I, I think it kind of also depends on, like, what are they accused of? Um Honestly, thinking about paying money to get your not dumb daughter into college, um, I don't think that you should be let go, especially if you haven't been convicted. I, I think that would be really premature because while she may have hurt people over the long term, she didn't physically hurt anyone. Um, she, I, I don't know, this is really tough for me, but I, I don't think she should be let go of. Well, Jesse first, Smollett, yeah. I do think, but again, he hasn't been convicted. Has he? No, he hasn't. Right. So, I don't know. This is too tough for me. Well, first of all, I need to say, uh, Lori Laughlin. apparently you haven't seen the videos, the YouTube videos of one of Lori Laughlin's daughters, and so I stand by dumb daughter. Um, <laughs> so, watch the videos and get back to me. Oh, and for, I... le- for legal reasons, <laughs> I'll say she's allegedly stupid. Allegedly <laughs> stupid. Oh man! <laughs> all right. So, oh, all right. Are we, are we are we ready to move on to the next story, Tune? Okay. So, um, Disney's acquisition of 21st Century Fox became official this week, 
And Disney now owns 21st Century Fox, 20th Century Fox, Fox Light Searchlight Pictures, 20th Century Fox Television, FX Productions, FX Networks, National Geographic Partners, as well as Fox's interest in Hulu and much, much more. And as far as properties, just a few of them that Disney now owns, they have the rights to the X-Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, not to mention the Simpsons, the Alien franchise, the Predator franchise, Avatar, the Home Alone films, and much, much more. That's already a long line of ownership that they have, and that's added to their already their ownership of the Star Wars franchise, Pixar, um, all the other Marvel characters. It's a mega content behemoth. And for those who don't know, Disney signed a deal with Sony that gives them rights to Spider-Man to let him play in the MCU. But Sony continues to distribute all solo Spider-Man films and Spider-Man-related uh, Spider-Verse characters, let's say. And Universal has a deal with Disney that allows the, um, Disney to use the Hulk in the MCU and the Avengers movie. But uh, Universal continues to distribute any like Hulk solo movies. Um, so now that Disney owns Fox outright and they own all these properties, do you think, guys, that this is completely unfair, that we're in an age of like where competition is basically not going to exist? Or is this just the way of the future? It's going to be one big company serving all our content needs. Well, I'm upset about this because this just means more properties that will not go to Netflix. Uh, everything that they own now is going to be going to Disney Play. So <laughs> I guess that's great for Disney Play subscribers in the in the near future. I, I, I think I'm coming to the sad realization that I'm going to be forced at gunpoint to subscribe to Disney Play. So I'm not, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> I do want to add one note that um, uh, Disney's acquisition, they've got everything – but they didn't get Fox News or Fox Sports, and they didn't get the actual Fox television station because there's rules about uh, from when it comes to monopolies, even though it doesn't feel like there's a lot of rules. One rule is they can't own more than one te television network, and Disney currently owns ABC television, so they can't own the actual Fox network. They seem to own almost all of the shows that are on Fox, but they don't own the actual network, which is a nice little twist. Wow. So, so now all the shows that were once owned by Fox and the network, the network is not going to have to pay royalties to Disney to air Fox shows, which is mind-blowing. Now, the <laughs> <laughs> so um, what's going to be interesting is when it comes to all the superhero stuff, which a lot of, I know a lot of people are like sick of uh, enough with the superheroes already. But it'll be interesting to me to see if the Fantastic Four uh, and uh, uh, finds uh, uh, find their way onto and the X Men find their way into like say uh, Avengers movies. If we'll start seeing some of those characters wander in, that would actually be interesting. I want to know if um, Mickey Mouse is going to somehow show up now on The Simpsons. Oh, no. I, now, the, now, the question to me is, now, there, uh, for those of you who don't know, there is a Simpsons land at Universal Studios. Now that Disney owns Bart and Marge and the gang, what's going to happen with that? Uh, how, long does, uh, how long is the deal that Universal has? And will they have to tear down that land and all of a sudden will it pop up at Disney or Disney World where there'll be a, simp where there'll be a, 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 what, a Springfield uh, all of a, a land in uh, Disney? What's going to happen? I'm actually curious about that. Oh, you're right because they have the, 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 the X-Men teacups and they also have the Disney that, that's a great Disney ride at Universal so yeah, I guess once the rights are up, come back to, to Mouse Daddy. 
Yeah, so it's like every, literally, it's they're taking over the world, the world of entertainment. Sherry, any thoughts? Well, I told you guys that I wasn't going to be subscribing to Disney. But um, they're trying to uh, force my hand by putting a bunch of superhero stuff over there, which, by the way, can people actually ever get tired of superhero stuff? I don't know Never. if it's Marvel. Sounds pretty impossible to me. But what do I know? I'm just a millennial. But um, I really don't want to give Disney my money. I don't know. I feel like I'm I don't know. I just don't feel excited about Disney. Oh, but, my God. Um, yeah. What? I was gonna say, oh my god! I just kind of had an incredible, incredible idea, and I want to cut for announcing it here on Last Weekly. What is it? A- Alien versus Avengers. The Alien, you know, the Alien <laughs> from uh, the, uh, the Alien movies. Oh my god! With uh, with uh, oh my god, a Sigourney Weaver fighting with the Avengers to destroy the aliens. Oh, that would be everything. Wow. Kevin, that is a great idea. That sounds amazing. Now, I wonder if their acid blood can actually just be the thing that finally takes out uh, Tony Stark. That would be incredible. (laughs) Get this guy in the writer's room. Take that, Iron Man. (laughs) (laughs) This is Gary B. All righty. With that said, we're going to move on to our favorite part of our favorite part of the show, the actual (laughs) trailers. (laughs) <laughs> it's our favorite part of our favorite part. So, Kevin, <laughs> do you want to break down our trailer rating system? All right, our trailer our trailer rating system is pretty simple when it comes <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to I'm I'm like losing it. Our tra- our trailer rating system is pretty simple uh, when it comes to movie trailers. There are three grades you can give the movie trailer. Movie theater. If the movie trailer did its job and you actually after seeing it you want to go put pants on. Leave your house and go to a movie theater to see this movie. You give it a movie theater. If the trailer was kind of okay and you might eventually stream it on Netflix or Disney Play, then you'll give it a Netflix. And if you, at the end of watching that trailer, you're like, oh my God, they have taken three minutes of my life. I can never get back. I want to kill everyone involved with this travesty. Give it a kill. So again, More natural it, causes. It's movie theater. <laughs> I didn't say, well, yeah, kill is not natural causes, right? So it's movie theater, <laughs> Netflix, or kill. And when it comes to a TV trailer, it's either turn on or turn off. Turn on or turn off. <laughs> so, Tom, what is our first victim? Okay, so our first victim is actually a, a, a franchise that I don't think needs any introduction. I'll talk about the trailer that dropped for Toy Story 4. As the name implies, it is the fourth installment in the Toy Story series and a sequel to the 2010 Toy Story. In this, in this movie, um, the synopsis reads, when a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang, a road trip alongside old and new friend reveals how big the world can be for a toy. Woo! This, this, was, uh, this, was, this was very majestic, the trailer for this one. Um, I'll let you guys add some to that. Well, Sherry, you have kids, so you should talk first. I am going to, if I, if I have any say in it, it's going to be a natural causes. But what? if it lands on Netflix, then my kids will stumble upon it and Netflix it. Well, well, it's not going to stumble onto Netflix because it's owned by Disney. So it'll stumble onto Disney Play. Play. Okay, then. I'm just natural causes. 
Wow. Ouch. Oh, my God. So, apparently, Sherry is unwilling to go to infinity or beyond. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Wow. Ouch. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I agreed with Tone that it was majestic. And the idea of uh, Woody having a a, a mid-toy life crisis where he has to choose between being one child's toy or being free and uh, living his best toy life actually was i was surprised at how uh, how moving the, the trailer was and if he can get his hands on some taco bell hot sauce he's gonna have the best <laughs> he got the best life ever so i i actually will check it out on netflix well i'm sorry i'll check it out on disney play during my during my free trial wow so what about you Joan? so so for me this this is this this is a, this is a little bit hard because I I I'm, I'm obviously a fan of the of the whole story franchise. I thought the last one kind of kind of ended the franchise perfectly. So when I heard they were doing a Toy Story four, um, I was like, really? I think the story's kind of been told, and I just thought there was just room to mess it up. So I went into this trailer thinking, you know what? I, I was I was already feeling like this this wasn't the right thing to do for Disney, I mean for Pixar. But after watching the trailer, like halfway through the trailer, like it just really sucked me in, like. It really played with my emotions. The music was perfectly done on this trailer. Um, I just, I just like seeing Woody just back in action, and I love seeing the whole gang together. And I just really feel like the, the music was perfectly, perfectly played on this trailer. Like it, it really made it add, added to the whole, um, to the trailer itself. And I would say that I would go watch this in the movie theater, but my my three year old daughter's terrified of this movie. I don't know why. Like I thought this would be the movie I take her to see it for the first time, but she's terrified of the movie. She starts crying when she when it goes on TV. So it's definitely a Disney play for me. Well, first of all, but Porky's oh. eye. First of all, I can see why your daughter is terrified because Porky's eye repeatedly falls off. So it's very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes sense. So I I'm, I am surprised to hear you uh, uh, that you that you would not go to the theater to see this. But all right, so Tone, what is our next victim? Okay, this next one is going to be another franchise that I don't think needs an introduction. It's John Wick Three Chapter Three Parabellum trailer. It's an upcoming American action thriller starring Keanu Reeves in the third installment of the Jack Wick film series, uh, following John Wick and John Wick Chapter 2. Now, now in this one, John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassin's Guild, and there's a $14 million price tag on his head. He is a target of hitmen and hit women everywhere. Um, I want to start first on this one. Um, this, this, this trailer, like, I, I saw the first John Wick movie, and I, I, I found it amusing. Um, not to give a lot away, but it, it was definitely not a, not set up to, to like for a franchise. Like when I saw the first movie, I thought it was an interesting, like single, um, like a smaller movie. And to, what happened with John Wick two and like what it, the, the whole John Wick series has become, it, it's kind of really surprising to me because I never saw for the first movie becoming what it has become and Keanu Reeves becoming this action star like this. So the trailer itself, I thought was amazing. I thought like as far as like. A lot of people just do action for the sake of action blowing up. No, this guy, the guy who directed this, Chastahowski, I'm probably mispronouncing his name. He did a beautiful, a beautiful trailer. The colors, the imagery, the his DP uh, did a great job. The, the the shots are amazing. Everything is very inspired. The scenes are very well composed in this trailer, and this is an action movie we're talking about. So um, I actually um, need to watch John Wick too. Uh, but if I had seen John Wick 2, I would say this is definitely movie theater if I see it before then. If not, it's definitely uh, 
uh, Netflix or Disney Play, whoever gets it. I'm, I'm definitely watching this in some medium, guys. Me too, actually. Um, I am a fan of uh, Keanu Reeves. Hasn't he always been an action star? But whatever. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm just thinking of... Uh, I'm thinking Bill uh, and Ted. Like, you thinking about Speed? Uh, uh, yes, exactly. I'm thinking of Speed. Uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> All right, so, The Matrix. All right, I can kind of see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, The Matrix. Um, so I love the trailer. It seems so exciting, like uh, fast-paced, just like it's like, oh, like let me get in there. I would definitely go to see that at the movie theaters, at the movie theater, and just be super pumped. I feel like I would be just enthralled like the entire time. So uh, I would definitely, definitely go see that at the movie theater. Okay, now I have to make a confession. Oh, no. Okay. I haven't seen any of the John Wick's franchise, so this trailer has a monstrous task ahead of it. Wow. To try to, try to lure me in around episode three um, of the John Wick uh, story. Now, one thing you mentioned him, uh, Keanu Reeves being an action star. Aren't you guys forgetting that movie where he was a surfing cop? What was that called? Point Break. Point Break. So, yeah, he's been in action movies for a while. So, anyway, um, now, is Keanu Reeves enough to lure me into watching this? No. But maybe if he has the help of one Angelica Houston and the very sexy Halle Berry, maybe I would watch. So, I think I have to give this a Netflix. Just, okay. to see, just to see Halle Berry as a badass assassin who Keanu Reeves comes to for sexy help. Yes. I think <laughs> I, I think I think I would have to see a little bit of that. Wow. Do, you know what? Do, doing my free trial of Disney Play. <laughs> now I don't know. I don't know who's releasing this movie, John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, I mean, John Wick Parabellum. So, so let me see who's releasing it. I'll tell you right now where it's going to be. It's being produced by. Don't see it. <laughs> but, chan- odds are it's, it's something to do with Disney. Yes. <laughs> So odds are somebody has something having to do some company that Disney just acquired or is about to acquire. All right. <laughs> so what is our last victim? And I believe it's a TV show. Wow. So the, the, the strange thing, season three, like I can't contain myself. Uh, the third season of the American science fiction horror web series, Stranger Things, titled On Screen, is called Stranger Things 3, will premiere on Netflix. And the trailer... Um, it started off really slow, guys, for those listening. Like, the trailer starts off really slow. Um, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be more of, like, an introspective of the characters. But then the trailer ends up being much longer, and it just goes back to what you expect from the other Stranger Things, which is uh, it's weird sci-fi uh, retro action. And uh, I, just, I just really enjoy this trailer. Like, there's a 100% chance that I will watch this. Like, there's no... I will watch this. I will Netflix this. I will Netflix this. I can't wait for it to, for me to binge it. Like, I really enjoyed this trailer. And I love seeing that the kids, um, a lot of them grew up. Like, sometimes when you watch a show that, that features um, children in it, and uh, the, a couple seasons go by, they kind of outgrow, like, literally, they outgrow the, the role because, you know, the puberty. But it was kind of cool seeing them kind of grow a little in this show. And, it, and, they, and they still seem like to kind of fit in their character. So I'm really looking forward to this. What about you guys? Stranger, Thing, Stranger Things 3. 
So what you're saying is, for you, you're giving Stranger Things uh, Season 3 trailer a turn on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm being turned it's off. It's complicated. We need All right. <laughs> All right, Sherry, what are you giving it? I am absolutely, positively turned on by Stranger Things Season 3. In fact, I had Stranger Things as my ringtone on my phone for a long time with the iPhone remix. Oh, my God. I love that show so much. It's like my dream come true that I didn't know was a dream. I love everything about it. Can't wait. Can't wait. Turn on. All right. (laughs) No, turn on or turn off. All right. What about you, Kevin? I have a confession to make oh. again. This is, oh, Lord. This has been Here a, we go again. This has been a very special episode of last week. <laughs> a lot of confessions. My confession is Don't I did it. not see Stranger Things season two. Wow. I only watched season I only watched season one. So again, uh, the trailer had a lot ahead of it. And you're right, Tom. The kids have grown. They've aged a lot because I didn't see season two. So I didn't like they just they were like super. They were super adorable. And now they're all pimply and weird. So. <laughs> so I would have to give this a the trailer was an impeccable. It started out showing us a boom box. It looks super fun. I'm super invested again. So I'm going to have to give this a turn on. Wow, Netflix. Netflix. <laughs> so, yeah, so we actually, I, I can't believe we've actually given it the unanimous. It's three turn ons for Stranger Things season three. Yay! I agree. And three Netflixes. Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. We're mutiny. Turn on. <laughs> All right. Okay. Here on Last Weekly, no matter how rough or crazy or weird a week gets, we like to end on a up note. So, co-host, what was your favorite thing about this week? I would love to tell you my favorite thing about this week. So I finally dived into Star Trek Discovery Season 2, and I had the joy of watching Sonequa Martin-Green on screen. She plays Michael Burnham, and just watching her in her role, she's so intense, she's so passionate, she's so good. She just has so much power behind her. Like, I was, like, almost in tears and just remembering my childhood of wanting to be a starship captain on Star Trek and, you know, being a a brown girl, that was like nothing that I could see. But like seeing her is like, oh, my God, just that was my favorite thing. Just having all of those dreams like on my television in front of my face, like blowing my mind. So Sonequa, just thank you for giving brown girls that that dream like in, in, in reality, like we can see it and we can touch it. You're awesome and you're amazing. Thank you for entertaining me and inspiring me. Yeah, but you know what? Brown girls have been communication officers in Starfleet <laughs> since the 60s. So but I wanted to be the captain. Well, she's not the captain, but I, I wanted to be the lead there. All right, fine. But you, but again, you would look really good in a mini dress and go-go boots while fighting aliens. But okay. Pass. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, Tone, what was your favorite thing about the week? Uh, my favorite thing was also a TV show. I, when you watch shows or movies about the future, guys, we're always um, – it's such an immersive experience, and everything is so futuristic, from their toasters to their TVs to their vehicles. But in, in actual life today, contemporary living – 
Um, there's certain moments in our lives when there's actually a leap forward. And that leap forward um, that I found was Love, Death, and Robots. And this TV show, which I started watching this weekend on Netflix, um, I was just so amazed by the, the technological level that we've reached where 3D um, CGI animation looks like real life. Like when you watch some of these episodes on the show, like if you really like kind of close your eyes a little bit, you can't tell the difference between this animation and actual real actors. We're talking about an actual leap forward. And I'm really proud that Netflix actually made this mature adult animation. And I really think that actors need to get their voice game up because in the future, you're going to be licensing your image. You won't be acting because this thing is really revolutionary. And I was so impressed by it, not just by the stories, not, not just by the diversity of talent that they chose. Like everybody, I saw everybody represented in this, in this animated anthology. And I really like heavy metal from back in the day. Um, if anybody watched that show and I mean that movie. And I feel like this is kind of like in the step of that. So I was really impressed. It's my favorite thing this week to watch. So um, love, death, and robots. And you, Kevin? Wow. Okay. Mm, now, now I'm really going to watch it. I have to say, I'm impressed with both your favorite things. Because, like, Sherry, your favorite thing is also one of my favorite things. And, Tone, um, I can't exactly say what my things are on Love, Death, and Robots. But for those of you who are curious, you can hear my review. And with my co-host, Tachi, we review Love, Death, and Robots in our next episode. So check it out. So my favorite thing about this week has something to do with a little thing called cyberbullying. And I'm all about it. All for it. This week, uh, uh, J.K. Rowling got dragged by the <laughs> internet. <laughs> she is the creator of uh, the Harry Potter series. And so uh, she was actually working on extras for this, uh, the second movie in the, uh, in the franchise of uh, Fantastic Beast. So she was working on some uh, DVD extras. And in those extras, she mentioned, oh, by the way, did, I, uh, did you guys not know that Dumbledore and Grindelwald uh, were uh, gay and gay for each other and having tons of hot gay man-on-man action. Um, you didn't know that? Yeah, because it isn't in any of the books or in the movie. But yeah, it, it happened. So there you go. And so the internet came for her. And I was like, get her. And so <laughs> because the issue is she keeps doing this inclusivity uh, no, but not in the books or in the movie because she did the same thing with like, oh, you guys didn't know that Hermione was a uh, was black because uh, she is. I uh, just you didn't. Oh, because I didn't mention it in the book or in any of the movies. Yeah, but she was. So it's like, no, stop it. Stop doing inclusion after the fact. If you want to have hot man on man action, put it in the book. If you want Hermione to be a super soul sister. You know what? Give her some dreadlocks in the actual movie. Stop it. Or in the book. Stop it, J.K. Rowling. Stop it. Enough. Wow. Wow. That's what I said. <laughs> that, that was my favorite thing. All right. All right. Um, we can't do every story, but we want to cover what you want to hear us talk about. So if you see a story during the week that you want us to recap, or if you want to share your favorite thing about the week, including a, 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 a vicious attacks on J.K. Rowling, 
let us know. <laughs> you can do it in three different ways. You can get to us at, at Last Weekly on Twitter. You can contact us via Anchor and give us a voice message. We would love to hear you and add it to our show. Or you can do an old school email, lastweeklypodcast at gmail.com. So let us know. So we've come to the end of another episode of Last Weekly. I want to thank you so much for listening. And please join us for the next episode of Last Weekly because the week doesn't end until we say so. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.